welcome to episode two of the Global Railway Review podcast with me, Craig Walters, editor of Global Railway Review. Thanks to everyone who listened to our first episode so far, but for those of you who haven't, you can catch up at any point on our SoundCloud account or on iTunes, just search for Global Railway Review podcast. In this episode, I spoke to Anthony Smith, Chief Executive of Transport Focus, about the value of rail services for Britain's passengers and what needs to change going forward to ensure passenger satisfaction levels continue to rise. Okay, Anthony, thank you very much for joining me today. Um, If we could just start off um, with you giving us a brief introduction um, of who you are for our listeners who might not know you, um, and a little bit about Transport Focus, please. Hi. My name is Anthony Smith. I'm the Chief Executive of Transport Focus. We are the official consumer watchdog for Britain's transport users. So we cover rail, we cover bus and we cover road. Our job is to try and get the best deal for all those users. We're a consumer organisation. We don't tell people how to travel. Our mission is very much to represent those users. We aim to be useful to those that are making all the big decisions about transport, governments and transport providers. And most important of all, we base what we say on evidence. We produce a huge amount of survey and other work about what passengers think, what they want to see improved, and that's what we use to drive change. Okay, so I think, um, Anthony, one of the key aspects that Britain's rail industry is awaiting on is the the publishing of the Williams Rail Review, which, um, as we know, is is planned to advise and make recommendations on the way Britain can transform its rail industry to to benefit passengers and help build a strong economy. What do you think um, passengers are expecting from the report? What do you think they're going to be expecting from the point of ownership and accountability within the industry? No passenger this morning standing on a platform is waiting for a rail review or a new strategy. What they want is for the train to turn up on time, for it to be clean and for it to be value for money. So what passengers want to see from any discussion about review of the railways is things which will lead to more trains on time, better value for money and the core things passengers are looking for. However, Our research shows one particular thing that people do look for whilst they're not that bothered about who owns or runs different parts of the railway. They do want somebody to be accountable. They want somebody clearly in charge of their service and they want somebody clearly in charge of the whole train set. So from a a, a transport focus point of view, your your mission, as you said earlier, um, is to ensure that passengers get the best deal from rail in the UK. And that can be from obviously a a number of different things. But how does, um, which again, you obviously, um, you mentioned again in your um, introduction that you carry out evidence-based research. Um, How does that evidence-based research um, that you conduct um, help you to put different points across to the industry to encourage change to ultimately benefit passengers? We do three main types of research, one of which is the big tracker surveys we do. The National Rail Passenger Survey is the main one, which asks people about their last journey and gets a very rich set of consumer data around their experiences of using Britain's railway. Most importantly, it's a representative survey, and so it accurately portrays the people using the railways today, the right number of commuters, older people, etc. And 
the benchmarking that provides in an industry which is largely monopolistic still is very, very important. It drives change in its own right. Nobody wants to be bottom. Secondly, do a lot of work around priorities for improvement, helping the government and others to set out spending plans. And again, clear message coming through that is we want more trains on time, more seats, more frequent trains, all the core things that passengers are looking for from the railway. And thirdly, increasingly, we do a lot around trust. Trust is a very fashionable topic in public debate at the moment. It's very current in the railways. Passengers will trust the railway when, when their trains arrive on time, when their basic promises are delivered day in, day out. The train's the right length, staff who are positive, and better value for money tickets. And I think it's very important that passengers do get um, the best deal possible. Have, over the years, passengers' kind of uh, viewpoints and requirements changed over the years? Passengers' basic requirements remain remarkably unchanged over the years. They're very similar across train companies. They're very similar across journey types, so commuter, business, leisure. It, it, it's the core things. When you buy a ticket, you're essentially buying the timetable. That's the basic promise of the whole railway. That's the train companies and network rail. And so the core requirement for that has not shifted. But, of course, the scores go up and down with investment as reliability gets patchy, when you get things like the timetable crisis last year, you do get performance, you do get satisfaction going up and down. However, the last set of scores we did in the spring of this year showed quite an impressive increase, which is down to the railway becoming more reliable in London and the southeast and the arrival of very welcome new trains. So these new trains are a key point and a key aspect of improving passenger satisfaction. What other things are passengers looking for? What about on board their journey? Are they looking for anything different these days? I think it very much depends on which type of passenger you're looking at. Commuters just basically don't want to get to notice the journey. They just want it to be as easy and as seamless as possible. And I think over the years we've concluded you can't please commuters, but what you can do is not displease them. A good journey is one that gets you there on time. Uh, and if you get a seat, that's a real bonus. I think commuters' needs are very quite simple and, and very kind of basic. With leisure and business passengers, I think the demands for um, better onboard service, better catering has been has gone up quite a lot. But for both, it's interesting because all, all, all passenger types, they all want Wi-Fi to work on the train. They want better Wi-Fi. This notion that you can do something on the move, you can use the time usefully is a very powerful one. And I think that's where things have changed. Yeah, I would agree. And ultimately, we, we want people to be using rail more, using rail for their journeys. So providing a more comfortable and a more easily accessible rail network. Um, would you agree that's obviously something that the industry definitely does need to do to encourage more people to travel by rail? The climate change is with us. The debates are going to go on. The best thing the railway can do is to provide the best choice for people in terms of their transport options. We've done some work around diesel and electric trains and what passengers think about them. And interestingly, people said they'd prefer a diesel train that's on time to an electric one that is late. And so the core requirements even shine through um, the way that the train is powered. So for, for people to choose rail, it's got to be the best consumer choice, which means the, the basics have got to be right. OK, so, Anthony, I was um, reading your biography um, that's available on the Transport Focus website, and you stated that your favourite rail trip is between Manchester and Sheffield. Um, why is that? 
I just love the way that you go from you've got two very big cities there and you you go from one to the other through the most fantastic scenery and it reminds you of the power of the railway to connect people to connect communities and to really power the economy and also the achievements of the people that built them um there's some amazing landscape on the way and it just it's just a great way to travel undistracted you can look out the window it's one of the few places in modern life where you're not perhaps being stimulated by something and you can actually think <laughs> great so um what other personal experiences have you recently encountered while traveling around the network whether it's good or bad um what aspects do you think we deliver well on what do you think ultimately we do need to change on I think the thing, one of the things that's most powerful about Britain's railways, and one thing that's been underplayed badly in the last few years, is just how good the frequency has become. You don't need a timetable now. For a huge swathe of the country, the longest you'll wait at Birmingham for a fast train to London is 19 minutes. Manchester, it's 19 minutes. Cardiff, it's 29 minutes. Uh, Glasgow, it's 59 minutes. It, the, the frequency has become very good, and I think that's become a strong attractor to bringing people to I think the, the other thing that always strikes you is that any interaction with staff, the, the, the more positive, the more engaged, the more human and friendly staff can be, it always makes a journey better. And the way that disruption is dealt with is also a key driver of trust. If it's dealt with well, if you're kept informed, if you're told about compensation, it can help rebuild trust and turn what could be a negative experience into a neutral or even a positive one. So most of the time I travel around the country, it's fine. Just as our surveys show, roughly eight out of 10 journeys, overall satisfaction is very high. I think my own experiences reflect that. And what I would just like in future is that all services become more like the ones you see at the moment on the high-speed one services down to Kent. The Javelin services are brilliant, they're modern, and if anybody hasn't tried it, they should go and try them. Excellent. Um, I just wanted to quickly get your viewpoint on comparing Britain's railway networks to um, others around the world. Do you have any kind of standout points that we do better than other countries and vice versa? I think international comparisons are very, very difficult because there's nothing like the intensity of the experience, say, of commuting in London and the southeast. You know, there's nowhere in the world, I don't think, that has that kind of um, scale of rail operation every day. I think we do um, the commuting experience reasonably well. Um, I think the long distance experience with the kind of frequencies we've got are very good. What we lack is faster services. And I think that's where the debate comes in about HS2 and inc massively increasing the capacity. And then with that, the side effect is that the trains can go quicker as well. So I think a step change in that investment, which you've seen in other countries like France, Germany and Italy, is what's needed next. So I also wanted to talk to you about um, emerging technologies. Global Railway Review recently held our annual Digital Rail Revolution conference in London. And some of the key discussions at the event um, were around technologies and innovations in rail, such as augmented reality, virtual reality, smart ticketing and 5G. Um, and I think if if used and de uh, deployed correctly, all of these new emerging technologies should ultimately end up benefiting the passenger. What do you think about these new exciting digital solutions? Does the industry need to embrace them more to, um, to be able to move forward? I think anything that the industry could do 
to improve the core experience of the passenger, it should be welcomed because it makes things better. And secondly, hopefully over time, it keeps the cost down and there's a constant pressure on fares. And we want to see that reduced. So it, the big picture stuff like signaling and getting the railway used more efficiently, yes, that's great. Getting passengers more connected on trains so that Wi-Fi works, that's great. And of course, yes, smart ticketing above all else, that anything we can do to shift people onto smart tickets where you see higher levels of satisfaction in our surveys is very, very welcome. But I think it's very important that we don't get blinded by tech. It's what tech is good as in well, what it can what can it do for you, not not what not looking at it in its own right. Mm-hmm. And um, just talking um, about smart ticketing, what more does the industry need to do to move forward with smart ticketing and create a, a more uh, seamless, perhaps, and more joined up um, approach to travelling around the network in the UK? I think there's been very good progress in the last couple of years in now offering smart options for virtually every single journey, which is really good. But the, the faster you can shift every single transaction to i think mobile ticketing the better um we all carry our phones around we all depend on them you can you can get more information on them they they can get your email address from them i think the shift towards mobile everything it should just be accelerated as fast as possible of course and um i'm assuming that many of the uh, the research activities that that you guys do some of the feedback that you get from from passengers are, are obviously telling us that uh, they want to travel with smart ticketing? I think there's a massive suppressed demand for smarter ways of retailing. Um, the fact we still sell so many paper tickets is quite astonishing in this day and age. Mm. And the, the any shift towards mobile, any shift towards smarter forms of ticketing must be welcomed. There's a massive unpacked demand for that. And of course, the easier you make it to travel, you remove one of the barriers. You want to, you want to just gradually over time suppress all the barriers to people choosing rail and if people can just click and go that's the way it should be mm. and um what other barriers do you think there are um for people choosing route do we still have that challenge with fares i don't think the fare system can be complex um it's not particularly complex if you're using oyster or contactless around london advanced purchase tickets are pretty straightforward but i think for a substantial minority of passengers fares can be pretty off-putting in some of our recent research um a focus group there was a gentleman there who said that he drives into the london boundary so he can just use contactless so he doesn't have to worry about all the ticket types and stuff mm. and i think that just gives you a very powerful example of the that just how strong a force simplicity can be in making it easier for people to choose rail. So getting those smart options, making them simpler and really hollowing out some of the complexity is very powerful, alongside obviously some of the physical barriers to access, which have more traditionally been focused on. Um, and finally, Anthony, just something to um, end on. Of course, one of the major talking points um, always in the media um, is about Britain's um, rail delays and um, how that impacts how that impacts passengers. And I think passengers in the past have missed out on compensation for ultimately receiving a poor service. What are your hopes for how train services can improve in the future and improve passenger um, satisfaction um, with regards to delays and any other recommendations or points you have to make? 
I think the, the good news for the industry is that the key driver of satisfaction is reliability. The key driver of dissatisfaction in our surveys is how delays are dealt with. So the more trains you get on time, the more passengers you please and the less you displease. So they're sort of flip sides to the same thing. And the, the drive towards improving performance just needs to be continued day in, day out with a kind of relentless urge. And that is the thing that will please current passengers most and I think attract more passengers to the railway. How delays are handled is a very kind of key point of trust and you, you can sort of save a dire situation by handling it well. You can make a bad situation much worse by handling it not very well at all. The industry's got a bit better at that but although it's quite a tough one to deal with. But my hope is I think the, the new trains coming in, the new capacity coming into the railway, the, the investment that you're seeing in the stations, I think we are really starting to live in a new age of the train. It's quite exciting. And I, I suspect more and more people will start using rail now. The, the, the alternatives are degrading, flying is a miserable experience, driving can be very frustrating. If the, if the government and the railways can get this right, I think it could be a great era for the railways. Perfect. Excellent. Thank you very much. Um, so, OK, um, well, I think that brings us to a close on this episode. Thank you, Anthony, for, for joining me today and sharing your thoughts and recommendations for um, our listeners on, on how the industry needs to move forward. Hopefully we will see some positive changes in the future. I'm sure we will. Um, and yes, thank you again for your time. And I'm sure we'll speak again in the future. Thank you very much. So that concludes this episode. Many thanks again to Anthony for his time today. It is clear from the evidence that Transport Focus collects from its research that passengers do want a better rail service and the industry needs to listen to this valuable feedback if it wants to change. Many more podcasts will be coming your way in the future, so please make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on the next one. You can subscribe via our website, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts and Spotify or wherever you normally listen to your podcasts. And please make sure you subscribe to us to receive a free copy of the Global Railway Review magazine and join us on our social media channels. Thank you for taking the time to listen today and I look forward to hosting the next podcast.